Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Alistair Stevens. And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich, and this is Dusted, your shameless Speedo-wearing Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Today, we are talking about the 20th episode of Season 2, uh, Go Fish! So that's what we're going to talk about today. Go fish. All right. So it aired on May 5th, 1998. Cinco de Mayo. I think a lot of people were drunk during the airing of this show, and it probably turned out to be a good thing. I feel like Uh, a lot of people were drunk during the production of this show. Well, it would explain a lot. Um, So written by David Fury and his wife, Ellen Hampton. This is Ellen's only contribution to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But David has gone on to produce a lot of episodes, um, and he uh, wrote 17 episodes total Yeah, he gets 16 more Buffys and 11 Angels on top of that, and yet... Yeah. That's not why you know David Fury's name. No. You know David Fury's name from from two things, possibly. From 24. Yes. But much more importantly, from Lost. And he did incredible work on Lost. He wrote Walkabout. Yeah. He wrote Solitary. He wrote Numbers. Numbers, numbers? you guys. Yeah. David Fury is solely responsible for some of my favorite episodes of some of my favorite writer. TV shows. Yeah. Unfortunately, this you is not what? a good debut no, in the Buffyverse. This is, this is his first episode. Um, and who knows what circumstances this was written under? Well, who that's something knows? about which we're, we're ill-equipped to speculate, yeah. but which nonetheless we're going to speculate. About. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Great writers have work that's sometimes not as good and it happens and that's totally fine and it doesn't take anything away from how great they are. So before we go into this episode, I just want it known for the record, David Fury is a god and we love him. Uh, big fans. Yes. He's, he's okay by us. Yes. Uh, this script, though. This mm. script is a little bit problematic. And because it's the only one he wrote with his wife, I think there may be, you know, a tendency to try to shift blame onto her. But I would not do that either because no. uh, because seen... most of this stuff, the most of the stuff that's wrong with this is like counter, not even counter feminist, actively misogynistic. Well, yeah, we'll, you we'll know? talk a little about the politics yeah. as we get into it, I guess. Um, but we've seen, you know, all too often yeah. terrible scripts from great writers and occasionally great scripts from terrible writers. You from know, writers who otherwise the have stars not align and ascended. There'll be a, a one shot. Everybody, uh, yeah. You know, and this is the thing about being a journeyman writer is that you have to be willing to put work out there that may right. not be your best work. And I think that's, this is an example, absolutely. Everything else that David Fury has done has been much, much better than this, which is not a high bar but also like just really exemplary work i've seen through him on a number of different shows absolutely so i absolutely, absolutely love him this was also directed by david semmel who does four episodes of um of buffy the vampire slayer two of which we've already seen he did never kill a boy in the first date mm-hmm. uh he did what's my line part two and now uh <laughs> go fish and then we have an episode in season three where we will see him again one and of my quite, favorite season three episodes quite so. the delta of quality there between never yeah. kill a boy and, and what's my line well you know but the the quality as far as the script really isn't up to the director i mean the directing on those i think was pretty good right that's that's true yeah 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 i mean well not to not to talk over never kill a boy again yeah can you tell that we're procrastinating guys can you tell that we're holding off talking about this episode this is not a good one and it doesn't bring us any pleasure to talk about buffy when it's not great yeah it's not you know we don't want to sit and i don't want to do it i don't want to sit here and snark about it the whole time so i'm gonna try to heard from you know our coverage of ted where i actually i don't know i don't know what the difference is ted infuriated me to a degree that that i actually really did enjoy being snarky about it yeah I don't think that Go Fish even excites that level of response. No, Go Fish just makes me kind of sad. And it's one of these things that I am very willing to sort of erase from the Buffy pantheon. As soon as we're done talking about it, I am happy to pretend it never happened. Yes. 
and, and I've that's done quite that a number you, of times. Every time I've watched it, skip episodes when you rewatch a show. No. I don't, and I didn't skip this one, and I won't when I watch it. But next time when I watch it, I won't be analyzing it, and I will have a glass of wine in my hand. So. What I will say though, mm-hmm. three. I counted three standout moments of unadulterated awesome in this episode, and I have one that you didn't even think was good, but I loved it. I don't think that's good. But I we'll think talk it about is that good. in due course. Let's begin <laughs> on the beach. Why not? Oh, in fact, before we even get to the beach, a very important production note. Yeah. This this episode is the last time that Giles is in every generation there is a chosen one intro is used. That's it. That's it. Wow. The last time they don't use it for the season finale and then they don't use it when they come back for season three. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so, and it does have that because they only used it in the first two seasons. It does feel a little bit like early, early Buffy well, whenever you see it. Giles you know? one even sounds okay, but the season one Oh, the season one with without gravelly, even Giles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that mm-hmm. always sounds weird when you hear it, but this is the last time we'll hear uh, it. So, so enjoy it when you rewatch this farewell. episode. Yeah. We begin on the beach as Sunnydale High's famous swim team celebrates their most recent victory. We pan past partiers <laughs> to Xander, who stands around a campfire with Willow and Cordelia and complains about both the cold and the blatant silliness that is the swim team. (laughs) The social order is being upset by swimmers succeeding. Willow, though, remembers the other thing in which Sunnydale High excels. Student mortality! Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Buffy, meanwhile, is sitting by herself on a log watching the moonlit ocean. She's joined by a young man named Cameron who... Jeez, Cameron, if you love the sea so much, why don't you marry it? (laughs) Buffy makes the mistake of giving Cameron an opening, and now he's suddenly hitting on her. Luckily, though, they're interrupted by Jonathan being dunked in a large bucket of ice water by one of the swim team. Buffy interrupts rescuing the ungrateful Jonathan, while Wentworth Miller, hey look, it's Wentworth Miller, you guys, leads the bully down to the shore. In a touching moment of emotional honesty, the bully admits that he's creeped out by Buffy. But that's nothing compared to the creepy blank look he gets on his face just a moment later. (laughs) Gage, meanwhile, Wentworth Miller, has smelled a bad smell. And when he turns around, (laughs) the dude has, like, totally disappeared. He walks back along the beach. While no more than ten feet from where he was standing, the bully's human skin is now steaming gently on the sand. And a fish monster is creeping into... A, a sewer pipe? I guess. Were yeah. the Sunnydale High kids partying next to an open sewer pipe? Okay, there are a lot of sewers in Sunnydale. <laughs> Apparently. But still, sewers. I'm yeah. not sure that having more makes any individual instance of sewer less gross. Well, I'm not sure that high school kids, as I recall... Um, <laughs> We will pretty much party anywhere. Like I remember, I remember right, like a hundred yards down. The, are you saying that a hundred yards down the beach there's a worse outlet pipe? You know, from the local abattoir. <laughs> it's like not said, just blood, but like the screams of, of tiny animals being pumped into the sea. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk a fair amount um, in this episode about the famous Sunnydale lack of peripheral vision. Yes, but this is one of the most egregious oh, ones. Yeah. No kidding, it's ten feet. I mean, the shot's composed nicely, <laughs> right? As you pan and across, you do it. get a sense of some space, you know, there. Right, but, but when you work out like where Gage really, was yeah. walking, you know, his trajectory as we pan off of him mm-hmm. onto the onto the, the yeah. empty skin bag, the empty skin bag. <laughs> <laughs> As we move across, it's very clear. There's not, how would he not have seen it? Yeah, it's you know, insane. I mean, that's that's a thing with directing. I actually now see it in a lot of television shows. It's just if we can't see it on the screen, then we presume they can't the see it. The characters can't see it either. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of those, you know, two-year-old things. If I can't see you, you can't see me. <laughs> I have 
honestly, just coming through the cold open. Yeah. And the cold open has a lot that I like. It has Willow and Cordelia standing mm-hmm. together. It has Xander being right in exactly has the right Xanderian way. It has Jonathan. I like Jonathan. Buffy's not great in the intro, but that's okay. And, and yeah. Cameron is just obnoxious right off the bat. But that's actually yeah. setting a consistent mm-hmm. tone. And yet that last beat with Wentworth Miller and yeah. the skin bag. And the skin bag. I've never wanted to bail on an episode or a breakdown oh, as much as I have in this episode. But instead, let us cut okay. to the credits. In the computer class, as we come out of the credits, Willow is now teaching pie charts, having mastered the binary coding of last week's class. Presumably, this is a different <laughs> well, class maybe of maybe this is a different class. Well, Wentworth Miller, I'm pretty sure, is not and, in and the Caltech <laughs> advanced class. So Jenny's classes, I'm assuming that Willow is teaching Jenny's classes during her copious study halls during the day. So but where is Willow's education coming from? All of from? Jenny's. I don't think we need to worry about Willow's education. <laughs> <laughs> and at least for the first time in this episode, we address yeah. why uh, a junior is teaching this class at mm-hmm. all. Gage is playing solitaire instead of studying. The class is dismissed, and Snyder congratulates Gage on the swim team performance before telling Willow that the school board is having trouble finding a replacement for Jenny Calendar and that Willow can continue teaching all the way through finals. This can't be legal. It, it I mean, teachers be. are unionized, right? Okay, but the mayor <laughs> is obviously up to some stuff. So, I mean, apparently... You know, if you do things under the books like that, like if you have unpaid child labor, um, you can get away with it. When and the none of the other teachers you know, in Sunnydale High are saying a word about it. Well, it, would you? If you were a teacher <laughs> no, at this school, not. would you say a thing? Well, Put no, your I'd, blinders I'd be, on and get to your Corvette, you know? Yeah, I'd be too busy browsing monster.com yes snyder though is emphasizing the importance of the team and brings up the subject of gage willow explains that besides the behavioral problem he won't do homework and he won't take tests snyder doesn't care about his academic performance and wants willow to give him a passing grade no matter what so he can you know just keep swimming (laughs) gage is a champion different rules apply in the hallway, Cordelia and Willow are wearing matching stripes first. They hang out together at the beach party. Now they're coordinating Aww. their outfits. Well, Xander is outraged by the unfair treatment given to the swim team. Cordelia, though, understands that exceptional rules should apply to exceptional people. And she's not impressed by Abraham Lincoln's hat. Willow <laughs> points out that it was Jefferson, not Lincoln, who talked about all men being created equal. Cordelia responds with some terribly looped audio about Jefferson keeping <laughs> slaves. Which is weird, because the original line is... Kept slaves? Got any more? Uh-huh. It's, it's basically the same line, but they felt that it was important enough to change. Yeah. That they loop the audio in the worst way. <laughs> it's just shocking. It's just, you know, it's an episode with a lot of duct tape on it. That's it really just, is. You know. Xander wishes Buffy were there to complain about the swim team, but she, at that very moment, apparently, once again celebrating the flexible timetable and progressive approach to education offered at Sunnydale <laughs> High, is in Cameron's car. He's still talking about the ocean, but Buffy goes from bored to grossed out as he casually segues from, hey, I'm crazy about the water, no pressure, so hey, how's that bra you may or may not be wearing treating you? <laughs> Buffy moves to leave the car, but he locks the door. He reaches for her. She grabs his arm and bounces his nose off the steering wheel just in time for Snyder to see her. In the nurse's office, Cameron casually gives a perspective on women that would have looked regressive to the 1955 James from last week's episode and is checked out by the coach. Now that something has happened to Dodd, the bully from the beach, Cameron's the best swimmer left on the team. Buffy asks questions but is shut down by Snyder. The coach tells Cameron to take a steam, asks the nurse to care for the boy, and tells Buffy to dress more appropriately. This isn't a dance club. Snyder and the coach leave and Cameron smirks. Yeah. He smirks. Yeah. 
what the hell? Okay, this is the beginning. She, you know, I mean, Cameron goes into this whole thing of like, you know, she led me on and all this kind of stuff. Look at the way she's dressed. Just this incredibly horrible, shocking stuff that is so offensive on so many levels. Well, but which could, there's nothing contained within this scene, at least. Mm-hmm. That couldn't lead to an excellent exploration of, you know, sexual assault, even all the way up to date rape, Except if that's that it's the way all, that you want to go. It's all used with the assumption that this is absolutely appropriate behavior. Right. And that is what, if it was some kind of, like, very special Buffy in which we show how bad this is. Um, because there's nothing wrong with the scene enough. as it wraps up. But you need to show very clearly in the text of the episode that these attitudes that this is are not okay toxic yeah. and uh you know and throughout this episode this is one of the problems i have with this episode is how um how actively misogynistic it is in its assumptions not just in the behavior of a few misogynistic characters but that the assumptions are that yes buffy look at the way she was dressed yeah. You I know? mean, this this episode is bad for Buffy. It's bad by the standards of this show in general. But it is right. also just plain and especially bad. for it's such abhorrent. a pro feminist story, yeah. it feels just wrong. So while there's nothing wrong narratively with the scene in the nurse's office, the mm-hmm. real problems emerge when we move to the library, where Buffy relates her tale with a pout and yes. receives surprisingly little support, considering that she was just sexually assaulted. Giles chastises her and then tells her that Dodd's remains were found on the beach, and that's more important. Something tore Dodd open and left only the skin behind. Snyder wants it kept quiet, which doesn't quite explain how Giles knows about it, but either way, <laughs> the Scoobies are in research mode. Cameron, meanwhile, is relaxing in the steam room while out in the locker room something is moving around and getting closer. The door opens, and the coach tells Cam to hit the shower instead. Right, because you know what? Here's the thing. Nothing good happens in a locker room ever, 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 ever. If you're in the locker room on Buffy, you are about to die or witness somebody dead or being dead or being killed or whatever. It's it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. In the hallway, Xander is heading to the vending machines when Cameron walks into him. Xander taunts him about Buffy. And I like Xander in this scene. Mm-hmm. But Cameron responds by exerting his enormous swim team privilege over the cafeteria there's a bad smell in the cafeteria though and xander hears a cry as he's debating which soda to pick the cafeteria is ruined again though at least there aren't any snakes this time there is though a puddle of cameron skin on the floor Ah. and a giant fish monster Ah. we cut there because xander's first encounter with the giant fish monster is definitely something we want to skip over as quickly as possible (laughs) yes yes we do in the library cordelia (laughs) is exhibiting previously unknown artistic talent by drawing the fish monster that xander saw have we seen cordelia no but any kind of artistry no but Cordelia's capability. She has a rich inner life. Yeah, no, this <laughs> this kid, I wouldn't be surprised if she can do just about everything. Cordelia accuses Xander of running like a woman, but we're saved from further insult by Buffy and Willow appearing with news. Dodd was the best swimmer on the team. Cameron was the second best. Gage, presumably, is the next target. Giles suggests that revenge could be a motive, and Willow leaps to the obvious suspect. You know, the obvious one, the one that stands out, the one that we're all thinking of. No? Jonathan. (laughs) He was bullied, after all, and that invariably leads to murder. Buffy suggests that Willow handle the interrogation alone for the first time ever. Meanwhile, Buffy will watch Gage. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that within the frame of the text, and, you know, besides the politics, the biggest problem with this story is simply that it is so horribly muddied. Yeah. 
Within the frame of the text, we are clearly supposed to buy the idea that Jonathan is a legitimate suspect. Yeah. And yet, that is immediately undercut by Willow for the first time ever. Yeah, being told to <laughs> handle the big... by yeah, herself. Yeah, investigating the, the big suspect. But also, this is exactly the same structure that we had in Witch, where they were taking off the cheerleaders so that they could get to the alternates. Yeah. Um, so, having been through this once before, wouldn't the obvious choice be anybody who gets on the swim team, that there's some kind of alternate group? Which, of course, as we discover, there isn't. But going through that exact same kind of structure, it sort of calls back to which and it makes you think of that yeah yeah it, it's it's not at all clear that the episode asserts all kinds of things both in the script and, and just the way mm-hmm. that it's shot and presented to us it asserts all kinds of things that are absolutely without foundation yeah and, and mm-hmm. both you know things that are relevant only to this episode and also things that are about you know relevant to these characters mm-hmm. uh like willow's desire to suddenly interrogate people yeah mm-hmm. it's it's a weird It's a little weird. Yeah. A weird decision. In the student lounge, Gage is playing with a Game Boy, what appears to be an actual first generation Game Boy from nineteen <laughs> uh, from nineteen ninety 1990 in nineteen ninety eight. Yes. Which kind of I guess undercuts <laughs> his image as a privileged athlete. Right. Uh, while Buffy watches him from behind an upside down magazine. Willow, meanwhile, interrogates Jonathan. He tried out twice for swim team, despite asthma. Willow goads him into admitting that he did it, and rather than being horrified that he apparently summoned a terrible sea monster, she looks pretty happy about the whole thing. Much more importantly, though, as she straightens up, we see the corner above the chalkboard of the Have Brain Today banner. There it is. It's still there. It's still there. It's like Jenny's still with us, you guys. It's like her spirit's still in the room. I know. In the shape of a really weird and inexplicable (laughs) banner. Jonathan, though, didn't raise a monster. He just peed in the pool. Well played, Machiavelli. Well played. And I like how much more horrified she is by that than by the fact that he raised a sea monster to kill these guys. Which is actually pretty good as a joke. Mm -hmm. But Willow actually deals with monsters. (laughs) With demons. With, you know, forces of evil. It's not actually worse. (laughs) The scene only works because we don't assume for a second that Jonathan is actually responsible for this thing. Right. The Mm -hmm. whole scene is just a joke to arrive at that punchline. And while the punchline is pretty great, it just doesn't work within the fabric of of this story or this show. Mm -hmm. It's, It's nonsensical. Let's leave that behind and move out into the hall where the coach and Snyder are talking about the recent tragedy. The coach is upset, but Snyder sees the critical importance of continuing to compete. All they need is another body in a swimming costume. That's it. Anyone. 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 Xander? In the bronze, Buffy watches Gage play pool. Gage confronts her, wanting to know why she's following him. Buffy claims to be a swim team groupie, which... Gage doesn't believe for a moment because that's not a thing that exists, (laughs) even in this twisted world. She tells him the truth instead, but he doesn't believe that either. Outside the bronze, Gage is volubly complaining about Buffy. Volubly enough, in fact, to attract Angel's attention. He asks Gage about Buffy, then vamps out and bites him. Buffy emerges from the bronze and finds Angel spitting out Gage's blood. She pulls the stick from her hair. Does that have a name? The hair stick? It's a hair stick. It's a hair stick. Yeah. Good. She pulls the hair stick out mm-hmm. and Angel delivers the, the, the first of the three good lines. Why, Miss Summers? You're, you're beautiful. Because her hair comes down over her things and it's this very, yes. The delivery. I like particularly the irony when he's in with which face, he does it. Yes. No, it's, it's really so nice. good. It's re- I got to say, a- Angelus is a lot more kind of like quippy and fun oh, than yeah. Angel is. Yeah, you <laughs> which know? is 
one of the problems that the story is going to have. (laughs) The angel actually is the one who comes out looking the best in this. (laughs) I I, I really like that take on the line. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. a pretty good line as written, but I really like his take on it. It it genuinely works. It was my first actual, you know, Mm -hmm. yay moment of the episode. He throws Gage at Buffy and leaves. Gage gets to his feet asking if that's the thing that killed the others. But Buffy tells him that you can't throw a brick in old Sunnydale town without hitting something (laughs) supernatural and murderous. Okay, let's take a minute to talk about Wentworth Miller. Oh, dear. Yeah. Not one of my favorite actors mm-hmm. in general. I don't think he's particularly, you know, what's the word? Good. Yeah. Um, his read on that line. Well, he's, you know, his read, his accent is American, but his read is British. Yes. So we get, was that the thing that killed the others? Right. Exa- but not like that. Like, that's even more British. It's yeah. like, it's just the intonation that he was using, but with an American accent. And it was really like, if you're going all the way to using an American accent, then, like, you know, the intonation is sort of part of that, right. you know. Um, and I don't think there are any American accents that have that particular kind of intonation. No, it's the strangest that thing. That uplift it, at the end of the sentence. He does it twice yeah. in, in, in those two lines. Is yeah, that he does. the thing that killed the others? Right. And Buffy says, no, that's something else. And he says, something else. Something else. Yes. No, it's, it's <laughs> really <laughs> weird. Exactly. <laughs> Mary Poppins. No, it's, it's really weird. And, and Wentworth Miller was, was born in England. And mm-hmm. I know that I have seen him do a British accent uh, on screen yeah. before. Uh I've weird, seen him play only American choice. people. Yeah, it's weird. Weird choice yeah. in that moment, to, yeah. if, if it was, in fact, a choice. I no, mean, I think fairness, it just happened no and nobody lines, cared. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she makes to leave, Buffy does, but Gage calls her back and asks if she'll walk him home. In the Sunnydale pool, Willow and Buffy are eating popcorn as Cordelia sits with them and watches the swimmers. Buffy thinks there's something in Gage's blood that Angel didn't enjoy. Steroids, perhaps? Cordelia was researching with Giles, but couldn't find a sea demon that matched the description. She's distracted, though, by a new swimmer walking in. Knees, thighs, belly button, (laughs) chest, all checks out so far. Now she'll just adjust her eyes upward and... Wait, Xander? What? (laughs) I do like the beat, though, that Cordelia is researching with Giles. And this is, again, Cordelia's rich inner life. Yeah, She's just getting business done. Doing the work, absolutely. Buffy goes off to watch Gage. Willow goes off to waste her time with Jonathan. And Cordelia... Doing the job of Actually work. getting it done, yeah. Uh, Xander covers himself with a flotation device, that is not a pun, and talks <laughs> with the girls. He tried out for the team and made it. It's all part of his cunning plan to keep a close eye on the guys. Cordelia, though, is thrilled at her sudden ascent in social standing. The team is steaming in the steam room while outside fish monster fingers emerge from the grate and the floor and begin to lift it. Outside the steam room, apparently without incident, Xander talks with Buffy and hands over gauge-watching duties. Prepare yourself for the second great moment in the episode. Xander comes out and says to Buffy, you gotta love this undercover deal. 20 minutes in a hot room with a bunch of sweaty guys. (laughs) And there is not a trace of gay panic. Not a trace of gay panic. So at least there's that. Yeah, Yeah. because the last time we had a situation like this, Mm -hmm. it was with Larry. Right. Where mm-hmm. Xander was extremely uncomfortable there was with any loads of gay panic, aspersions yes. that may be cast upon his, his robust heterosexuality. Yes. <laughs> but here, he kind of delivers that line with some relish, and I yeah. like it. And just kind of, yeah, just being cool about it's it, which kind is of nice. a great yeah. moment. Inside the locker room, though, Gage smells a smell. A smell he hasn't smelled since the beach the night Dodd died, but he doesn't seem to put that together. He investigates a locker and cries out. Buffy runs in and finds Gage. And a fish monster. Gage is in pain and, well, he, he transforms into a fish, dude. There's no there's no nice way to put yeah. it. It's a pretty good practical effect. 
Yeah. But also gross. It's gross, yeah. The fish monsters are eager to attack Buffy. Luckily, the one that was already there waited for Gage to complete his transformation before jumping our plucky slayer. Yeah. There's a brief fight scene and the coach pulls Buffy out of the room. The fish boys slither down a grate in the floor. In the nurse's office, Buffy's wound is tended while Giles tells the coach a little about what's been happening. The boys are still alive, just monsters. Can they still compete in the state championship? Cut to a swimming referee shrugging. There's nothing in the book against it. The Sunnydale High stinky fish monsters take gold, but can they win at nationals? <laughs> the episode would be very different. What if we need it went is in that Gary direction. Cole and uh, Jason Bateman doing from the, the end of Dodgeball. Uh, from, from Dodgeball. <laughs> on ESPN 8 the Ocho the coach has a moment of humanity and humility he wanted to win and was glad it happened so he didn't look any deeper in the computer classroom Willow hacks into the school medical records the boys were on steroids probably administered by the school nurse Buffy sends Xander to investigate how the boys are getting exposed while she and Giles venture into the sewer with a tranquilizer gun in the steam room, Xander clumsily tries to find out who's giving out the steroids. And I do love the false beat there. Yeah. When he's he's trying to be coy. Yeah. <laughs> trying to kind of lead up to it and then just comes out and says it. It's a pretty great yeah. line. There are some there are some very well constructed pieces mm-hmm. of dialogue in yes. this episode. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that they don't cohere at all. Right. Um but much more importantly, the kid who answers Xander is Shane West. Oh, That's yeah. That's Shane West from <laughs> ER and from the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and the beloved, though only by me, series Once and Again. Uh-huh. Starring there you and Billy go. Campbell. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. It's weird that I think of Shane West always as being a teenager. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I looked him up on IMDb, I discovered that he is, in fact, five days older than I am, <laughs> uh, which is troubling. Oh, just a wee young one. Yeah, that made him 19 when yeah. he shot this episode. Wentworth Miller, when he shot this episode, was 25 years oh, old. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and looks it. Absolutely looks it. By the pool, the nurse is arguing with the coach, saying that they need to stop exposing the boys to whatever is turning them into fish monsters. The coach grabs the nurse and drops her through the grate into the water below. The boys are in the pool, and though they're monsters, they're still a team. Mm-hmm. And the team's gotta eat. He closes the grate, and the nurse looks around as things move in the water. Abruptly, she's pulled under the surface, and we cut. Yeah. We'll come back to that. We'll talk about that. When we have a point we gotta, of comparison. We're gonna have a lot of things to There's talk about. There's a lot about. wrong with that scene. Oh, yeah. In the library, Xander paces, worried about his exposure. Buffy tries to reassure him, but Cordelia is more concerned about herself, and we have our third great beat. Cordelia says, you, 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 what about me? It's one thing to date the lame, unpopular guy. It's another to be dating the creature from the Blue Lagoon. And Xander delivers the brilliant line, (laughs) Black Lagoon. The creature from the Blue Lagoon was Brooke Shields. Well, no, that is not our third great beat. It's our fourth great beat. Oh, because you insist the first on that line from one Buffy was in great. the library. I didn't no, even write that No, it was down. really good. I know you skimmed right over it, but it's awesome. It's this moment where they uh, talk about why they would just leave the skin, and she goes, perhaps they have high cholesterol, and there's this beat of silence, and then she looks at Giles, and she says, you're going to think about that later, mister, and you're going to laugh. And I'm sorry, that for me is the highlight of this episode. <laughs> I think maybe that line didn't land for me quite so effectively, because literally 10 seconds previously she was telling them that she'd just been sexually assaulted and oh, that the yeah. school authorities I wasn't had over my off. horror at the fact that no <laughs> but that her friends treated it like eh 
Oh, look yeah. at the way you're dressed. You yeah. know, you were asking for it. Um, yeah, no. And acting as though she is being but silly and self-obsessed by right. wanting to talk about her recent sexual assault. Yes. Taking that line out of context, yes. putting it in any other episode. Okay. It's, 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 it's an fun. adorable line. I'll I love that line. <laughs> I hang on to that line when watching Go Fish. <laughs> Giles comes up. With something of a plan. And Willow goes to talk with the nurse. Again, Willow being sent off to conduct to handle the completely all, she's irrelevant. Our, she's I mean, our cop on the ground. The she's our Jerry Orbach. Yeah. yeah <laughs> wow. Buffy has changed her mind about the coach and goes to confront him. She finds him in the pump room with the grate and he comes clean. He has documents detailing Russian experiments with fish DNA. He accuses her of having no school spirit and pulls a gun urging her toward the giant uncovered great hole. Where is Osha okay. when you need it? But why is this? It's bad enough to have a school built on a hellmouth. But are there like open grates to the sewers? What is that thing I think underneath? it's the pump room from the, the pool. pump room from the why pool. Why there is like, I don't know what, that must be but it leads three out and a half to the feet, ocean. four feet of, of overflow. Yeah. I have no idea. It's Do they a, have building codes in California? It's Well, and again, a big grate that you can just pull up and fall into right. in the locker room. Locker rooms are bad. Buffy jumps into the water and brace yourselves, guys. The coach leers at her, suggesting that he still cares about his boys. The corpse of the nurse floats past Buffy, but the coach reassures her. The boys have already eaten, Ugh. but they have other needs. Other needs. Oh, God. Buffy is going to be raped by fish monsters, and that's not even subtext. Yeah. It's not even a possible conclusion that you could draw. Right. That is the text of the episode. And it's going to get worse. Uh... By the pool, meanwhile, Xander and Cordelia are talking. Xander goes into the locker room, leaving Cordelia by herself. She hears noises, but is relieved when Xander comes out of the locker room and dives into the pool. Only that's not Xander. It's a fish monster. That's a fish monster. (laughs) Cordelia says a monologue in which she confronts her selfishness and admits her genuine affection Mm -hmm. for Xander. Xander, though, is standing right next to her. I'm really starting to worry about Cordelia's peripheral vision in particular. Well, especially because when Xander came out in the Speedo and she's like, ooh, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Like Ankles, she couldn't calves, see. Knees. Mm, exactly, like, because so that's far. all she can right. see is that little, you know, she's wearing some kind of slitted, you know, eyepiece or something. She's permanently yeah. in a close shot. That's I know, <laughs> seriously. Poor girl's never experienced the pleasure of a wide angle or even a two shot. It, it, it's depressing. Um, the fish monster bursts from the pool and Xander and Cordelia run. We cut to the library where Giles is locking the remaining members of the swim team in a cage all besides sean who as we now know is swimming around in the pool we're still no one knows where buffy is mm-hmm. in the pool beneath the grate buffy is and here we hit our nadir she oh, is no God. kidding concerned about the hit her reputation will take if it gets out that she did it with the entire swim team it's supposed to be i guess rye and it dark. is supposed to and be rye and in Another episode nope. in which this stuff nope. wasn't taken nope. as though nope. it's okay. There's no line. There's there's no circumstance under which that line from a girl in a, you know, yeah. <laughs> a real or real adjacent American high school. <laughs> Please, let's talk about, and also, let's talk about my moral culpability in being gang raped by a uh, swim team. Let's not even, let's... because it's just, it's not given. The only defense for this episode... <sighs> Is that it's not done with malice. It's just done with an enormous carelessness. Oh, God. That, that's I don't as even good know. as it gets, is that they weren't purposefully trying to make this just But to abhorrent. have that level of 
misogyny and tone deafness to that point. I mean, more than one person must have looked at the script. Two people wrote it. Yeah. I mean, how do you do that without realizing what you're doing, what you're know. saying, what you're positing? Is it possible? And the only thing that kind of clues me into the possibility of this is the the beat earlier where Wentworth Miller asks Buffy to walk him home. Yeah. In case his British accent flares up again. Right. Um, that scene, does that open the possibility that this is supposed to be satire? No. Does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> it just doesn't. I'm trying. Because, I'm I mean, really even, though, even though Angel's line is... Angel's line is good and delivered with irony, but it still exists in this 1950s world in which a a woman's big value is her beauty, and oh, b I, no, I, I think no. In this in episode, another episode that, that comes wouldn't out. stand. Yeah, you're right. In another episode that wouldn't stand out. It actually feels, as is so often the case, that the angel scene mm-hmm. was just written by someone else and dropped into the and script. done well. Yeah, yeah, the angel stuff is brilliant. Yeah. You know when it's dropped into these episodes, but this is just it's really problematic. Yeah, this is um, horrendous. Okay, so at least one fish monster swims past her up in the pump room. Meanwhile, Xander finds the coach peering down through the grate, which suggests that not only will Buffy be raped, but the coach is going to watch the entire thing. Down in the water, Buffy battles the fish monsters. Up above, Xander battles the coach. Xander reaches down and offers his hand. Buffy leaps with slayer strength and grabs it, and Xander pulls her up despite the fish monsters clawing at her legs. Safe for a moment, we're surprised when the coach appears from nowhere and knocks Xander aside. Buffy trips him. And he falls into the grate. Buffy catches his leg, but he falls regardless. He calls out to the boys, but is pulled underwater. Buffy looks on horrified and says, out loud, those boys really love their coach. And the implication there being that they've already eaten. Yes. And they have other needs. (laughs) Again, not implication. The actual statement. The actual text of the episode is, hey, look look at that guy get raped by fish monsters. Oh my god. Yep. In the student lounge, Xander explains that he has a makeup chemistry test and also that he's getting a blood transfusion with the guys. Willow tells us that Giles is confident the treatments will work, which is weird because Giles isn't a medical doctor and this isn't magic. And this isn't anything that we've seen before. Giles is reassured. Oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. No, that's I can imagine just... the scene where Cordelia's pestering him much yeah. as she did last week. Right. She's just asking him question after question. <laughs> he's like, no, it'll be fine. I, no, I'm sure. Absolutely sure. It'll yes. be fine. Yes. Uh, Cordelia says that Xander has also proved himself and doesn't need to join the team next year. He could play football instead. Mm-hmm. Giles arrives to tell the Scoobies that animal control has left the school, presumably picking up a few more snakes on their way out. Uh, but guess, the creatures yeah. vanished. Buffy's certain they won't see them again, though. She thinks they'll go home. We cut to the ocean and see the fish monsters swimming out to the distance and close mercifully on credits. A couple of weird beats at the end. I mean, if you want to be employed, yeah. if you want job security in Sunnydale, animal control is animal the way to go. Animal control is a great way to be. Though yeah. the mortality rate, I can only imagine, pretty high. <laughs> I think just living in Sunnydale, the mortality well, right. rate. right. You may as well get paid I think a, a you can get a great house in Sunnydale salary. for like 20 bucks. Or just or just move in like yeah, Angel. Like just the, find the, a cement mansion and move right in because uh, it's open. that's the thing you Well, can the do, mansions yeah. made out of cement, I mean, tend to be a little chilly in the winter. And when you're a vampire, it doesn't really bother you so much, but... So, um, mm-hmm. okay, so obviously, let, let's address the sexual politics head on. Okay. It's just gross. Cameron it's and Buffy terrible. up front, the sexual assault, rape even as a threat, then as a punchline. Yeah. The 
the, the nurse being given to the boys and being safe from the threat of rape by virtue, presumably, of, of being, being somewhat overweight and somewhat older. And too old to... And Conchata Farrell. only good as let's food. Just, let's just give a little shout out to Conchata Farrell, who was forced to wear a 1950s white polyester nurse uniform and then thrown into the water. Yeah. Um, it is it is just a moment of degradation that just seems actually antagonistic. I just and the right. nurse's role in this that she is simply a tool for the coach to use, and then when she finally speaks up, which you would think that that woman would have done much much earlier in this process, finally speaks up and then is immediately thrown aside, right? Um, with uh, no agency or power of her own. Her change of heart of is completely unmotivated, yeah. and we have no empathy for her. Because we've been kept at such a distance from her right. that when her end comes, it's not it, we don't feel emotionally She's connected to her. She's objectified in all like a thousand terrible ways. As yeah. you know, as is every is. woman. No, and then this whole thing. Say it. You ran like a woman, which is this whole thing yep. that like you know, if you're a girl, you can't run. You do well, it like a woman. You do it like a girl. Yeah. That at least, <laughs> at least. And again, that's another line that you could you could remove from this episode, and it wouldn't be as bad. Yeah. Because that at least is a recurring beat between Cordelia and Xander. Yeah, you know Cordelia's uh, and Cordelia has a very conservative view on the world, so you yeah. can see where she right. would come up with this, something like that. But in a, in thing, a thing like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you run like a woman should be probably a compliment, you know? Right, because um, I mean, it's the women that it have the most power in this. Right, but it's yeah. consistent with Cordelia's worldview. It is and, and consistent she is with prone her to you know impugning um, Xander's masculinity. In the bronze, anyway. I don't know if you picked up on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a song playing. It was called "If You'd Listen" by Nero's Rome, which makes me think that nothing in this episode is accidental because the song that they pick the lyrics that are actually playing are uh, and if you just shut your pretty mouth you'd save yourself some tears are you serious is the actual line that is playing in the music in the bronze when they're in there and the whole song is, is just shut up and stop talking yeah i don't want to look at this and say it this is just a sexist episode this is a misogynistic episode of buffy the vampire slayer because this show has done so much to change our understanding of this feminism on TV. This episode is absolutely, there's no way you can say this is anything other than actively misogynistic, but the the bulk of the, the other 143 episodes of Buffy are pro-feminist. For the broadly, vast broadly. majority. I mean, yeah. they are, it was one of the premier feminist texts to come out of pop culture in the 90s. And um, and I think that that is no small thing. Not to mention the fact that Joss Whedon is, you know, is feminist in, in all of his leanings. How this episode got made as part of this show will always be a mystery to me. How nobody spoke up and said, this is reprehensible. This is terrible. Mm. Um, You can't have this. You know, it's a it's not funny. Um, You know, me, Buffy worrying about her reputation when she's about to get gang raped by sea monsters. That even just that line is so offensive. Um, The fact that they have that song in the background of this episode. Um, and it could be that they're trying to shine wow. a light on all of that misogyny, take, but they buy into it. I will take Buffy's line in the pool as gross as it is. I will take that line because, you know, Buffy is an individual. And if she's aiming for wry and funny and she says that and, and it's supposed right. to come out as dark and it just echoes a real, mm-hmm. you know, a real pressing social problem. Yeah. That's that's one thing. Mm-hmm. The thing that I cannot get past is Buffy showing up in the library telling her friends that she was just sexually assaulted and ignored by the people in authority in Sunnydale High and being completely dismissed for it. And it's, well, and it's also absolutely out of character for 
every single one of them. There's basically Xander, I think. Xander and Cordelia, I would say, come out of this with consistent characterization. A little, yeah. The Willow in this episode is not a Willow I recognize. The Buffy is not a Buffy I recognize. Giles is absent to the point of being a plot device. Yeah. When when Buffy tells the story in the library and Giles Uh says, you know, this thing has happened. Dot has been found dead or his skin was found on the beach. Snyder wants to keep it quiet. So we're investigating. And suddenly there's this connective tissue like... Snyder asked like you to investigate. Like somehow now the Scoobies are You're an investigative arm of yeah. Snyder's administration. Yeah, no. And um, that's part of what I want to get to, which is besides the the horrible misogyny yeah. in the episode, it's also just a really bad episode. Mm-hmm. It is a gesture toward a, you know, very special episode of mm-hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know, oh, the dangers right. of steroids. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't land that either. That's yeah. done in the most glib and facile and ridiculous which is good because very special episodes and and episodes that are hijacked by messages are horrible anyway um but well it's yeah it's it's not good that it failed it's it's, it's not good inevitable that, it, that it failed right <laughs> i would rather it fail at that i would rather it not try to make it a message episode um because that's just bad too right. this is just it's it's so horribly i mean it's it is sickening in how offensive it is on so many different levels right Um, and that's really the thing though is that that yes it is gross and misogynistic but even if you whistled past that even if you somehow managed to get past that just the rest of the episode is a terrible episode Mm -hmm. nothing hangs together we waste time left and right yeah we go to all this trouble of of building up cameron right at the beginning and Mm -hmm. then his death when it comes isn't a part of the plot line with Buffy at all. Yeah. What is the point in, in that whole thing? Right. <laughs> what is the point in that whole thing? Could basically be my, my, yeah. my judgment of the entire episode. All right, let's let's try to move on to, you know, happier topics because there are a couple of interesting points here. We get to see Willow continuing yeah. her role as computer teacher, and now we see that she's not just teaching the elite. Mm-hmm. She's teaching the, you know, remedial computer class all too. Right. Mm-hmm. And and apparently doing it fairly well though mm-hmm. again the willow that i although the willow that we see with snyder at the beginning of the episode is willow right i feel good about that apparently some of the steroid gas leaked out in a mm-hmm. in a, a scene sometime after that yeah it just changed everyone's personalities in the school mm-hmm. but willow up front is is strong and we see her dedication to to this thing that she considers to be very important right we also see in this episode a complete absence of magic mm-hmm Apparently, this whole this is fish all monster science. Thing this is science. This is steroids from the Soviets in the 1950s. And we don't even have the normal nod that we get as well. It's probably worse because we're on the Hellmouth. Right. right. We don't mm-hmm. even get that because, you know, no one in any authority to say something like that. Right. Knows, uh, no one knows both sides of the puzzle besides, you know, Buffy mm-hmm. and, and Xander, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Xander overhears what the coach is saying to her. Yeah. Earlier. Probably not, I would imagine. So there's some stuff. And. Let me just say, we've had some questions about the titles of mm-hmm. Buffy episodes, particularly yeah. in the second season. I like this title. Go Fish? I like Go Fish yeah. as a title. I like it as a reference to the game. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, that, that idea of, of, you know, coming up empty. Yes. I mm-hmm. like the idea of, you know, fishing for, for clues, you mm-hmm. know, investigation and all of that. And I also like it as a, you know, cheerleader chant for the Sunnydale Swim Team. Right. <laughs> it, it works. It's actually, yeah. it's a really punchy, pithy mm-hmm. and kind of well-constructed episode title. Well, there you go. That's that's a good pretty thing. Pretty much all I it's have a to positive, say good about it. It's a positive thing to say and about a handful the episode, of good right? lines. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've talked about the misogyny. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about the fact that it, it, it's really difficult to explain it away. Yes. Giving the producers of Buffy the Vampire Slayer every possible benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Do you have any sense of what they were going for? 
if if it's not parody which was or or, or or satire which was the only thing that i could maybe think of yeah is there anything you can see that speaks to an actual purpose or a ulterior motive here uh no nothing i mean honestly i i to me it feels like it just won't hold together long enough for extended analysis of what it was they were attempting to do yeah. um it feels to me like something that was written i'm hoping that it is a circumstance where something was written very quickly um over the course of like maybe 25 minutes mm. you know somebody just didn't have time to think about what they were doing and oh. so they were recycling a lot of really but it but it's so consistent i mean the only thing it's consistent in is its misogyny yeah. is yeah. is that message which is the only thing that kind of pointed me towards a possible you know satirical intent but there's nothing right. in the text to really support it besides that one line mm -hmm. of gage asking buffy to walk him home the only thing i can think of, of is that they were deliberately trying to shine a light on every terrible thing that men have done to <laughs> women that example yeah. and uh yeah and that in that shining that light they just simply failed to well if, to if say you, it's not okay. You if know? you removed, you'd need to make three cuts. You'd need to take out Buffy's line in the water. Yeah. You'd need to take out Buffy's line when she watches the coach, presumably, and it brings me no pleasure to say these words out loud, be raped to death. Yeah. Because Giles certainly doesn't mention what happened to the coach. No, afterward. we don't get He talks about animal about, control. Right. Presumably the coach is already dead. Yeah. If you remove both of Buffy's lines under those circumstances and you remove or modify the scene in the library so that we put all of the misogyny in the hands of you know our villains right so that the joke isn't it's when we absorb that misogyny into the scoobies that we have a problem exactly. because when she comes in to tell about her sexual assault she is written the joke is written that oh look at buffy being mm -hmm. so self-obsessed about everything when there's more important things going on forget that she was recently sexually assaulted there's a dead boy sexually you assaulted know. and ignored and by ignored the by, yeah and, you know? and the classic slut shaming move of, absolutely look at the way know, she was dressed you shouldn't dress you so provocatively this isn't a dance club while of course it doesn't even need to be said while buffy is dressed perfectly normally absolutely for buffy absolutely you know? there's nothing yeah there's nothing about the way she's dressed and and even if there were no, of course even if there were i know still but be. it's worse that there's nothing wrong with yeah. the way that she's dressed yeah um i, I can't I, th I think that when you kind of you pay very close attention not to the specifics of the story but to the movement of the story mm -hmm. you begin to see some more traditional and reliable you know yeah. buffy tropes because mm -hmm. what we're really seeing here is the irresponsible attainment of power mm -hmm. we see you know this this soviet steroid infusion uh, right. the name of my 80s ska band <laughs> the soviet steroid infusion gives these boys an unprecedented amount of power mm -hmm. which is leveraged into an unprecedented amount of you know social currency of popularity of yeah. if the presumption from cameron is well of course you're going to want to sleep with me I'm the star of the swim team. Right. Then we can see there, again, still abhorrent, obviously, but but a more kind of traditionally antagonistic mm -hmm. uh, portrayal in in you know right. as we understand Buffy's vocabulary. So that whole idea of what we're willing to do for power, what we're willing to do to preserve power, and what we're willing to do to avoid the consequences. Yeah. That's actually a fairly sophisticated 
Buffy plot because yeah. we'll see that that core idea you know the the, mm-hmm. the the sacrifices that we make for power right mm-hmm. and and you know power here being representative of of success victory popularity all of these things you know uh, um credibility prestige you know mm-hmm. pride all of these all of these complicated ideas that is going to be hugely important to the Buffy mythos going forward mm-hmm. and it's something that we've already addressed I mean you made the connection with witch and yeah. and this does kind of serve a a it serves as a companion piece to which mm-hmm. though serving only really to to highlight just how good and nuanced which was, was compared to this yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's it's tough though because you know the thing that keeps tripping me up i could almost i, I mean i can't mm-hmm. i wish that i could pin the misogyny to just like it was misjudged they were aiming for something and they missed it i don't even see clearly what they were aiming for let's assume that it was satire and they missed it that okay? they were trying to shine a light on this kind of terrible exactly. misogyny yeah if the episode was solid underneath that then i could even i could have a conversation about well how would you fix it how would right. you change it how would mm-hmm. you tweak it but it's shambolic underneath even if you cut those lines from buffy even if you yeah. reframe the discussion in the library we still have willow going off to deal with jonathan we still, oh, we have, still have willow have, being sent yeah. off to deal with the nurse after the nurse is dead which exactly. we already know and cordy's sudden abilities as a sketch artist which i love by the way but i don't believe we ever <laughs> see again as part of her personality um I'll you know say, no i believe with cordelia still waters run deep i believe yeah. that she she is is a renaissance woman mm-hmm. and and it does all kinds and of i like that they're expanding that her role there but it's just that in the midst of all of this uh this shadow puppet characterization that's just not oh, it's not who these people it. are yeah, yeah. um you know it feels a little think, bit weird what did you think of cordelia's speech by the pool confession yeah. um i thought it was actually very sweet but also completely inconsistent with Cordelia. Um, if Xander turned into a fish monster, she would be like, okay, this isn't going to work. It was fun, but understand, you know, it's just, you know, I mean, Cordelia would not pledge her ever undying love to a fish monster. It just simply would not happen. Um, even I, if it was Xander. I feel like there's enough wiggle room, even when she's talking about it. You know, she, she's kind of backtracking even as she says this thing. She has the, if you want to go off and find a fish or whatever, but she is not saying, no. In that moment, she would absolutely be breaking up with Xander. With I, the I, way that this relationship that is and the way that Cordelia right. is. Um, there's no way. Suggest, it does suggest a genuine affection for Xander. It suggests unconditional love, which is not something. I believe that Cordelia really has an affection for Xander. She likes him a lot. She enjoys him a lot. Uh, There is no way that her love is unconditional to that. I mean, she might be like, you know, we can absolutely be friends, you know. But I mean, (laughs) but it is also shown, though, that all of these fish monsters do not maintain their personality you can't tell one from another i don't believe that all of these kids as kids would be uh you know eating the nurse and raping the coach it's they are now monsters xander is no longer that is just the monster that has taken over his body xander isn't in there anymore and i think the cordelia would be the first one to recognize that you become something else you become something you know exactly fundamentally monstrous yeah giles has that strange line to the coach Mm -hmm. um when they're tending to Buffy's wounded arm after her encounter with the fish monsters yeah. after Gage transforms in the locker room, when he said, you know, the good news is your boys aren't dead. They've just changed. Yeah. That's not a beat that the episode is in any way interested in picking up. And that's what I was talking about. Even under the surface, even under the misogyny. Because the there's no personality so to these guys. It's not the yeah. same. And there's no sense that they are 
the same. Yeah. You know, those kids are dead. This may be the shortest episode of Dusted on record, but well, I fear yeah. that I have precious little else to say about it. Uh, yeah, no, the only thing that I have to say is is going again over all of those, uh, you know, because <laughs> I just, uh, the outrage at this episode becomes a little overwhelming, and I think that there's nothing to be said that I have not stated already, so. Every time you go back to it, though, you really do find worse things. I become more and more horrified yeah. every time I watch this and episode. And I hadn't even noticed the music in the background at the Bronx. Yeah. I mean, that's... If you just shut your pretty mouth. I heard that and I thought, no, that can't be right. So that's why I looked everything up. And I looked up the song and I found it and I was wow. just horrified by the rest of the lyrics in the song, which just are that same thing. Yeah. Just shut up and listen to me and let me tell you how it is, woman. One yeah. of the things that really stood out to me this time was Buffy holding the magazine upside down when she's watching Gage in the student lounge. Mm-hmm. Which is, on the one hand, just such a stupid beat. Just It's such it a is, dumb joke. And it's been done, yes, absolutely. Yeah. It is another like 1950s recycled thing that we're pulling out in this episode. Yeah. But it's also so, you know, inappropriate for Buffy. It's who has shown herself, not. if nothing else, to be competent. She's a competent investigator by this not point. Not just competent, but she wouldn't be stalking him. She yeah. would go up to him and say, hey, all these guys are dead. I'm going to be your bodyguard. Yeah. And that would be it, you know. But instead, they have her being completely incompetent in this role. What is the point of following Gage without telling him what's going on? Yeah. Um Let's get to our big list okay. of every Buffy episode ever, where we rank every single episode and the original movie. Yeah. We put them in order, from best to worst. I think this is also going to be a pretty short discussion. This is the worst. This is worse than the movie. This is the worst episode yes. of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, period, but me no buts. The, the worst episode possibly on television that I have ever seen. <laughs> Oh, I wouldn't go that far. Oh, I might. I wouldn't go that far. I might. I don't know no, if I've ever been exists. this disappointed and infuriated by. An <laughs> oh no, that's before. true. Yes, if you factor in disappointment, yes. Well, because of the the severe, you know, crash to the bottom, yeah. and when you talk about everything else that Buffy is, and I don't think, I mean, I don't think there's another episode of Buffy that performs this poorly for me um no there may be some that leave you cold there may be some that don't work or don't connect but at least in those episodes you can see what was intended you can see what they were aiming for even if it doesn't work yeah in this episode i have no sense no clue what they were trying to do yeah no this is terrible if this was the only episode of buffy i'd ever seen i don't know if i ever would have watched it (laughs) well in fairness that's true of a lot of the episodes from the bottom of our list i don't Uh, think if ted was the first episode i saw i think i'd be i sure would i'd be like cool guest stars absolutely (laughs) i'm in and mini golf so guys i'm really sorry this is a short episode and we have very little positive to say go fish is real bad and and you hereby have my permission i I don't know if lonnie can actually you know validate this given her strong feelings about about the correct way to do such things but you have my permission dear listener to skip right over go fish the next time you watch buffy the vampire slayer yeah yeah it just doesn't do anything good there's nothing there's there's a wonderful line from angel (laughs) who does she think she is the chosen one that's all you need really from this there are though Things to look forward to. Yeah. Let us leave Go Fish in the past and look forward okay. to next week when you aren't just getting an episode of Dusted. You're probably getting a double length episode of Dusted. Yeah. Because next week oh, we look God, at becoming. becoming parts one and two, the huge, sprawling, epic finale to this incredible season of mm-hmm. television. Uh, let's wash the bad taste of Go Fish out of our mouths and yes. go and enjoy that. And the week 
after we do Becoming, two weeks from today, if you're listening to this on the day of release, I guess, we will be giving you our season two wrap-up. Yeah. Where we talk about the arc. We talk about what we learned about the mythology. We, <laughs> we talk about how this, this season has built on the first to create... Really, you know, the Buffy that we mm-hmm. came to know and love in the rest of the, the show's run. If you have thoughts about season two as a whole, get in touch and let us have them. You can email us, podcast at storywonk.com. You can find us on Twitter, though I fear Twitter will be too short to properly communicate your enthusiasm <laughs> for Buffy. You can find us on Twitter at storywonk. You can stop by the forum, forum.storywonk.com, or you can call our voicemail line, 252-505-WONK. That is 252-505-9665. <laughs> Call our voicemail line. Tell us about your favorite moment, your least favorite moment. Who was your favorite incidental character? Did you cry? Did you cry when Jenny died? Get in touch and let (laughs) us know how you felt about season two and where it stands for you amidst all the seasons of Buffy. And we'd love to have your voice on the show. We We really really would. would. So please, please call if you can. 252-505-9665. You don't even have to write that number down. It is in the show notes and it's available, of course, as all our podcasts are on storywonk.com. We have one very quick thing to cover, Mm -hmm. I think, in the spoiler zone this week. That will be right after the music. But until next week, you guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. And God help you. If you watch Go Fish to listen to this episode, <laughs> you've, you've done good work. Absolutely. Go, go eat a cookie. You've earned it. <laughs> we'll be back next week with Becoming Part 1 and 2. Until then, I'm Alistair Stevens. And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And this is Dusted. So one very quick and incidental piece of, well, not even foreshadowing, because yeah. there's no way that it was foreshadowing when they wrote this When they episode. wrote it, right. It just but happened to be. looking back yeah. on it, my mm-hmm. God, how it stands out when Willow is talking to Jonathan. Mm-hmm. And she says, so you delved into the black arts and conjured up a hell beast from the ocean's depths to wreak your vengeance. <laughs> the foreshadowing of what will come in mm-hmm. season six when yeah. we look at the dark arts and yeah. we look at revenge and we look at Jonathan. <laughs> and Jonathan and Willow. I yes. mean that's yeah, gonna exactly. these two are this is not the last time that they are gonna they are you know, gonna go around the block yeah. another couple it's times. It's uh it's tough. Yeah. It's real tough. And season six I actually really enjoy for a lot of reasons, uh, because of our, you know, human big bads, because of yeah. what happens when when humans go wrong. You know, it's kind of an interesting theme. Yeah. Season six has a lot of problems, but I, I like that. Well point. and a lot of people dislike the the geek trio as villains because they're human because Mm -hmm. they're not a supernatural threat i think that if you are invested in the way that buffy the show addresses Mm -hmm. good and evil as a theme you know we've talked about the difference between human evil and demonic evil Mm -hmm. if you're invested in that and you're interested in it i think season six is going to work for you because it addresses those themes in such a broadly mature and sophisticated way right if you love buffy because it's monster of the week because it's supernatural enemies because it's you know the hellmouth mm-hmm. then i can see why it would it would leave you cold leave right. you a little cold mm-hmm. yeah but it was so interesting to see that again not foreshadowing There's not no deliberately behind that right but it is um, it is interesting to see that because jonathan is actually going to become i mean he has the superstar episode in season four yep. where he uses dark arts to make himself yep. you know an elevated personable personality in uh, in sunnydale um so jonathan is one of these characters that who's constantly being beat down but every now and again makes just a poor choice <laughs> right which is a dynamic and dabbles with all this. the more interesting and, and by the time remains we get to adorable even as he does it even when he's the bad guy i still kind of love jonathan <sighs> see i think one of the most 
masterful things that they do in season six is really test that to breaking point. Yeah. Andrew is another thing entirely. Yeah. But Jonathan, it, it's one thing to take a abhorrent character mm-hmm. right. and, and redeem them. Mm-hmm. Obviously something that, that Buffy does more than once. It's something else to take a character that you love mm-hmm. and arc them into darkness. Yeah. Um, and then, well, the thing that's interesting with Jonathan. We'll see how it Jonathan, works out watching it again. But. What's interesting with Jonathan, though, is that when he has no power, he's kind of adorable. He's incredibly vulnerable. You just kind of love Jonathan. When he has an opportunity to seize any kind of power, he makes really poor choices. Yeah, although it's not clear. Again, I wouldn't want to turn to this episode for textual evidence. Yeah. <laughs> but when he turns and snaps at Buffy on the beach yeah. after she helps him, and it's not as though she's, you know, particularly, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not as though, you know, her intervention emasculates him. It doesn't, it doesn't make him any no, more but in vulnerable that universe, it does. than he already was. In, that, in the universe of Go Fish, though, that is exactly the kind of thing. This whole, like, oh, first of all, my true, patience for the idea of emasculating men because they can't handle being around strong women, women no, no, is no. really, really, really thin. As is mine. But isn't that the seed of Jonathan's response when he turns around? And that says, is exactly Jonathan's response, which is why like, I honestly think of this episode as non-canon. I don't use this. <laughs> when I judge Jonathan as a character, I don't think of this episode. I think it would be, I think it would be wise to set this episode aside. If we had but the power mm-hmm. to declare this episode at most quasi-canonical, no, I, I'm decanoning the whole thing. This never happened. Well, I think there are some references to it. So we kind of have to allow for the possibility that at some point Buffy fought fish monsters at on the some swim point, team. That's fine. That's, but it didn't that turn out be like something. this episode. Yeah, no, um, this this whole thing is, it's not, it's not <sighs> consistent with the rest of the characters in Buffy. We and should I have talked about it yeah. in the main episode. Uh, is there a way of getting around this? To by, by taking this? No, by looking at your, your Buffy's perspective loophole. Where we're actually seeing this episode from an imperfect position because Buffy herself is an unreliable narrator and she's still afflicted by the influence of James from 1955. Okay. And I only have eyes for you. I think that no. I think that you can't. <laughs> you can't do that because what that does is it once again delegitimizes the the feminine complaint about this kind of behavior. No, that's that's a you very know, good which point. is that's unfortunately something that we have to deal with. So, um, yeah, no, there's. A, I think that this is a wonderful thing to watch um, with uh, kids. <laughs> It's a great discussion to have about no. that kind of misogyny. I, I, I think disagree. it could be a good discussion starter. No, I disagree because I think that horrible examples are are legion. I think you can't turn around for seeing a horrible example of misogyny on television, even now. Fair God, enough. Even 15 years after Buffy. Fair it's enough. It's still a but desolate But this is landscape. the kind of thing, though, Take that Buffy. with our children, we watch this sort of thing. And when we're horrified by what we see, we yeah. talk about how that stuff is prevalent in our sighting, how no, you have to see Absolutely. It. Having those conversations is you know? vital, and it's the only way that we can continue to hopefully move because forward. Because this, this kind of thing happens when people are so unaware of the jokes. Because this is I, a bunch of stale, recycled jokes um, that have been in our culture for a really, really long time, um, which people bring in for like a quick, like the gay yeah. panic is exactly yeah. that. Yeah. This quick, thoughtless hit of funny. But when you actually think about it, and I think that this is something that people fail to think about, which coming from the writers on Buffy, who are some tremendous thinkers, I find it's 
baffling to me how this episode happened. I keep coming back to this desire to try and find some explanation. My only my explanation in my head is they something happened to one of the scripts that it got lost, it got deleted, um, they couldn't get it, and somebody had to write a script in twenty five minutes. That's well, the only thing. Also, I can entirely come up possible with. that this script was produced very quickly. That this script was was supervised less than most normal scripts are because be. the show was focusing on this the big seasons and all. Well, there was a lot of other work going on, and yeah, yeah I just I kind of think this must have just slipped past. Now that you think about it, on a network TV production schedule in nineteen ninety eight. It is entirely yeah. possible that this was produced on a shoestring budget in, I don't know, three days. It is So that they could take possible. that time, effort, money, and attention put it and put it on the finale. Where it was, by the way, this, well used. But it does explain, you know, things like Wentworth Miller's line read. Well, no, it explains the baffling. No, it, Wentworth Miller's line read is like the least offensive thing about no, this episode. Sure, but if they only had one chance at that, and that's yeah. the line read that he gave, and they were like, no, fine, good enough, Fine, whatever. let's just go. The loop right, dialogue exactly. from Cordelia, no, yeah. fine, good enough, whatever, you know? Yeah, it just, it really <laughs> feels like absolutely no thought went into it. We are bending over backwards to try and accommodate this this horrible, egregious episode into our understanding of, of, of Buffy. I think we just and have to let it go. And it no pleasure. You know, the thing is, we're not disappointed. We're just mad. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's just, it's, and especially coming from Buffy. You know, I think on that note, let's yeah. wrap up the spoiler zone, guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Uh, if you're listening to the spoiler zone, of course, you know what's coming next. That's so next right. week, becoming. Oh man, <laughs> we'll see you then. <laughs>